Hey everybody, thanks for coming on this podcast. This is Dan Whitney, aka Larry the Cable Guy. Get it done. Hey, listen, I love doing this podcast. It's called Talking Truth. And uh, it's me and my fabulous friend indeed, Brian Clark. Brian, tell everybody hi. Hi, everybody. Brian is the uh, theological professor in this whole thing. Way better than me. Um, but anyway, we're, we we love doing these series, uh, Talking Truth. This is season six, and uh, this is going to be great. I love this one. It's about the black sheep of the family. And here's what we're going to talk about. Are there any black sheep in your family? Or are you the black sheep of the family? And if you are, you are in good company. You know, there's a lot of interesting, scandalous characters, very scandalous characters, they lived within the family of Jesus, believe it or not, and yet God still chose them to be a part of the ancestral line of Christ, which is amazing, gives us some pretty good hope. So uh, join us for a quick look at their lives. We're going to have an honest consideration of our own as well. And how are they different than us when it comes to the graciousness of God? Now, the title is Rahab the Prostitute. And anytime there's any discussions of prostitutes <laughs> that come around me, of course, I need to involve my wife so she can check in on what's going on. But uh, anyway, Kara Whitney, my awesome wife, the author of four fabulous books. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for having me. What are they, honey? Well, my latest, Country Soul. Country Soul. Let me see. Unbridled Faith, Fields of Grace. Unbridled Faith. Unbridled Faith for Kids. Unbridled (laughs) Faith for Kids. And um, My Husband is Awesome. That's the new one coming out. I'm working on that one. I got two pages done. (laughs) Did you remarry? Did I miss something? Uh, oh, boy. Brian, let me do the jokes around. All right, yeah, they never work for me. But anyway, I'm, I always love it when Kara uh, joins us, and she is uh, so awesome at doing this. So anyway, let's get started. I hope you guys like the podcast. And uh, Brian, take it away. All right. So the song, I Dreamed a Dream, is from the Broadway musical Les Miserables, sung by the character Fantine. In the song, she is reflecting on how the life she dreamed she would share with her lover has become a nightmare. She was seduced, used, tossed aside. The lyric in the song that I find most haunting is, Life has killed the dream I dreamed. I can't listen to that song without it stirring my emotions. I think it's because I've had that conversation with so many women over the years. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, hey, I think I'll ruin my life today. Yet it happens every day. Maybe your heart resonates with the words, life has killed the dream I dreamed. Maybe you look at your life and wonder, how did this happen? I wonder if that's how Rahab felt. Rahab was a prostitute. I find myself wondering what was her story that led to her life as the town harlot. Her story shows up in the Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua sent two spies into Jericho to look it over. We are told, rather matter-of-factly, they came to the house of Rahab the harlot, and they lodged there. Jericho was a city that covered about eight acres, surrounded by a fortified wall. During the day, the city would have been crowded with people coming and going. Two strangers could have entered the city with no problem. Once night fell, the gates closed and the spies had to find a place to stay. 
The words used in the story make it clear the spies were not there to take advantage of the services of a prostitute. They were there to hide. These fortified cities typically were a state unto themselves with a king living in the city. Such was the case with Jericho. The king learned of the two Hebrew visitors and sent soldiers to Rahab's house to get them. She told them the spies were there, but had left when it was time to shut the gate. Truth is, she was hiding them on a roof. This is a critical moment in the story. If the spies would have been discovered, they would have certainly been killed. Now Rahab has put her own life in danger by hiding the spies and lying to the king to save them. I mean, why would Rahab risk her life for two Hebrew spies? Well, she explained to the spies that she had long heard the stories of the Hebrew God, and she believed he was the one true God. She had been raised in a pagan, idol-worshiping culture, but had come to believe in the God of the Hebrews. In that moment, she had to make a choice. This was life and death stuff. There was no middle ground. I mean, what courage and faith it took to risk everything to side with Israel's God. All she asked of the spies was that when they came to take the city, they would remember her and her family and show them kindness. Well, the spies agreed. If she put a scarlet cord in the window when they attack, they would spare her and her family from harm. She lowered them down over the wall with a rope, and they escaped back to their camp. Rahab disappears from the storyline for a few chapters, then reappears when the army of Israel takes the city, but spared Rahab and her family as promised. That's the last we hear of Rahab until we read the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew. I mean, it would have been easy to keep it quiet that a non-Jewish prostitute named Rahab was in the family tree. I mean, why advertise it? But it's even more than that. She shows up again in both the book of James and Hebrews as a great example of faith. But in both books, she is not just referred to as Rahab, but Rahab the prostitute. Yet she is celebrated in the New Testament as a woman of great faith. I mean, a hall of famer and listed in the family line of Jesus. Who could have imagined? The truth is we all have a story. Perhaps life has killed the dream you dreamed. It's never too late for God. No matter who you are, or what you've done, or what label has been put on you, God offers you a new dream, a new story, if you're willing to trust him. But like with Rahab, there's no neutral ground. You have to choose whether you're going to trust God or not. I mean, I invite you to trust him. Let today be the beginning of a new story. So let's bring in Dan and Kara. Let's talk about this. Again, it's crazy that a pagan prostitute ends up in the family line of Jesus. I think it's just a great story how nobody nobody is out of the reach of Jesus. When you think that you're too bad or you've done this or you've done that, you're never out of you're never out of his reach. Well, that was me, for a long time, I just thought I was too far gone, not being uh, a person that had grown up in any sort of a Christian home whatsoever, and uh, knowing that I screwed up royally uh, in pretty early in life and thinking, well, I've already blown it, so maybe God made a mistake when he created me. Um, so I just thought maybe I was 
I was supposed to be the bad one, and that was why I was created. So there's a lot of uh, stuff people don't know. You know, I, I took a, a, a Bible study uh, a, a while ago, and the women in there were surprised that I had been in my, you know, 30s before I even picked up a Bible. There wasn't, there was just none of that in my life. I, I didn't know uh, that Easter had anything to do with Jesus. It was Easter bunnies when I was growing up until I was probably in my 20s. Um, so it, this story obviously really resonates with me because, yeah, you're not too far gone. So that is a good reminder. But I'm also very thankful that the people in this room don't identify me as Kara the and all the sins that I've performed in my past and will do in the future. Hopefully not like that, but we I we quit call I quit calling you care of the stripper many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> now just to clear that up. <laughs> no, just kidding. That it's was a, a name I could not be called. <laughs> it's a joke. But so why then after she does believe in the God of the Hebrews, is she still referred to, Brian, as the prostitute? Yeah. I do think it's really interesting that in those New Testament references, and we're talking about a book inspired by the Spirit of God, and I think it's just for the reasons you've already stated, and that is it's so common that people feel like they're too far gone, like their story has disqualified them and there's no way back. And I think in God's mercy and grace, he leaves that label on her because it's such a great story, but that's part of the reminder that that was her label. That's how People viewed her, and one just wonders what was her story uh, that led her to that. But it, I think it's just to underscore the grace and mercy of God that obviously God doesn't see her that way now. Right. But for the for the story, for us to, it's for us. He, the, he left that, that title on her for us, for yeah. the readers of the Bible later. Yeah, and she became a great hero of the faith. It's Absolutely. It's full of encouragement. But the label's there to make a point. Right. I'm, I'm blessed on a, on a weekly basis to see faces of people who are praying for me. Um, and I just wonder, now looking back, who was praying for me? Because somebody had to have prayed for me. Because it, it was just such a miraculous thing that, that I, I mean, I, would, I just pushed it away, pushed it away. But Jesus, uh, I still, at some point, it, it was like the veil was lifted, and I opened the door, and I let him into my life. It was the greatest thing I've ever done uh, for, ev- for every aspect of my life, not just for eternal life, but just the purpose that Jesus gives me, my marriage, raising my kids. Um, so, and, not does... ju- and not just you. It changed a lot of people. Changed me. Changed, changed a lot of people. Yeah, so I guess my thing is to flip that, too. Anyone that list, that's listening to this, um, you're not too far gone. Uh, but also, the people that you're praying for, they are not too far gone. Or that person that you see that you think is unapproachable, and I don't care what their life looks like. They could be flying around in private jets, or they could be in Skid Row, but nobody is, is beyond that love. So just to inspire you to just reach out and make that introduction uh, to Jesus. Um, but what's crazy is that she is in the line of Jesus. Yeah. So there's not some pure blood line going on that there's nothing, 
there's obviously uncleanliness going on there. Yeah, the line of Jesus is full of crazy stories, and they're not hidden. They're not swept under the carpet. They're they're right there for everybody to see. It'd be like in modern day. If if Jesus came about in the modern day, he would have come from a family in Macon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dan and I always say we're going to work on this this TV show together called Low Country Boil. I feel like he would probably mm. come out of that line right. of Low Country Boil. He would have came out of my family. I mean, they were dysfunctional and crazy. I mean, but it's such it's so encouraging. To know that you don't have to be this shiny pebble to be accepted by Christ. I mean, the Bible is just so full of so many messed up, confused people that finally they they turn towards Jesus and they faithfully follow him. And he uses them for so many great things. I mean, it's just such a good example to just... All of us, I mean, that think you have to be perfect. There's so many people that you talk, like you hear people say all the time, ah, God don't want me, man. I've done so many. I've done so many things. I, you have, Well, yeah, he does. Ah, I've done some pretty bad. Well, it doesn't matter. You know what? Why don't you read some of the heroes of the Bible? I guarantee you they've done probably just as bad as you have done. <laughs> I mean, yeah. have you murdered someone? Because yeah. uh, David did. He got somebody murdered. Yeah, I mean, that's the reality of it is we're all sinners yeah. and deserving of eternal condemnation. You know, as a culture, we put we put the microscope on some sins more than other sins, but the reality is we're all in big trouble. We're all sinners in need of a Savior, and we all have different stories. We come from different places. And, and the, it, it's so interesting that this woman in a idol-worshiping pagan context has heard these stories that have come down from the God of the Hebrews, and he did this, and he did this. Probably heard about the Red Sea and Egypt, and you know, by this time it would have been all through the Abraham story, all through the Egypt story, all through the Judges, and then we're coming to the beginning of Joshua. But somewhere in the midst of all that, whatever she heard convinced her that the God of the Hebrews is the one true God and willing to risk her life to take her stand and say, that's the God I believe in. That, that's an amazing story. Pretty awesome. Right. Can you imagine, though? <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking about what if Ray had the family sitting around and Ray was dead. Hey, God's got a book coming out. The whole world's going to read. You're, you're in it. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, though, who, who would have thought? The prostitute. <laughs> I was literally no. just sitting here thinking, I will meet her one day. Absolutely. It'll yeah. be like, oh, that's... Look over there. It's yeah. Rahab. And Rahab who? The prostitute. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. man. You know, you, you said earlier, Kara, it, it, so there's people identify that maybe that's my story. Mm-hmm. But you also made the point that we tend to identify other people that way. Maybe it's my neighbor. Maybe it's somebody I work with. Maybe it's somebody I go to school with. But it's easy to start looking at other people like they looked at Rahab the harlot and oh, remembering oh, yeah. These are people made in the image of God. These are people with dignity and value. And they're confused and messed up, and a lot of them have been deeply wounded. But at the end of the day, it's somebody Jesus died for, and it's somebody he wants to save. And so it's a check for us, too, that we don't don't write people off. I will share an embarrassing story. Um, 
and not I, with me, is it? No, okay, it's not. Ahead, it's myself. Ahead. It's the Holy Spirit <laughs> always coming to me and just reminding me. Oh, man. Oh, I remember, you know, when your kids are little, you're always trying to make them hang out with the right kids, right kids, the right kids. And I would always like, oh, so-and-so wants a play date. Oh, and then I'd call around and I'd vet these people because I was like, who are my kids going to be? And I remember one time getting, um, checking up, getting a call back, and it was like, yeah, they come from a broken home. Dad's here, mom's here, whatever. And being very judgmental, like, I don't know if I want my kid to go that. And then the Holy Spirit slapped me in the face and said, you come from a broken home. You are okay, and I love you. And I thought, man, I am horrible. And that is why Jesus, because we can't look at that. We look at the soul, look at the soul of the person and make the introduction. It could save their life. When I was going to seminary uh, out in California, we lived in an apartment complex, and there was a couple there's pretty rough, really rough, uh, and we had never really met them. And there were other students of the seminary in this apartment complex, and the word was pretty put out pretty quickly. This is a couple you don't associate with. They're not mm-hmm. like us. They're pretty rough. So we all just avoided them. And for most of the time that we were there, we joined in avoiding them. And then through a series of uh, things that happened, uh, and probably the most significant was they had a child, mm-hmm. and this poor mother knew nothing about raising a child, and they were in such a panic. And Patty, my wife, had uh, done a lot to raise her little brother, who was quite a bit younger than her. Anyway, it was the connecting point. Right. And we found him to be so warm and so friendly and so caring and so authentic. It like it changed everything. Yeah. But in the process, they started telling what it felt like to be treated by all these people. So think of that. We're there training for the ministry. Right. And th- that's the Rahab. And they're saying, this is how we've been treated. And and that included us. Yeah. And I was, the, I was that weird couple for so long. Yeah. And it know. was a breaking point for us. Yeah. So my oldest daughter is named Ashley. And she's named Ashley because that little girl was named Ashley. Wow. And it was our way of making sure that we don't ever do that again. It was wow. It was a pretty significant moment for wow. us. Of, of and here's like, a surprise, Brian, and they're here today. Jill, Ben, come on in. Right? <laughs> but I think the question is, for someone like me who's raised in a Christian home with all the advantages, it's like, what happened to us? Right. That we became so hypocritical, that we became so judgmental, that we weren't representing Jesus at all. Right. And it's like, I don't want to ever be that person again. Right. I hear him. That's all for today's Talking Truth. Dan, Brian, and Kara will be back next week with a look at another person in the family of Jesus, an outsider named Ruth. How would God define her life? And how does he define yours? We'll talk about that next week. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on new episodes. And to find out more about the Old Testament, check out our Books of the Bible series. Find it at talkintruth.com. That's talk, the letter N, truth.com. Get her done.